I would like to welcome everyone back to a new episode of the Our View podcast, where we aim to educate, raise awareness, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. I am joined today by my guest, Daniel Gospodark, and thank you for uh, joining me for this uh, great conversation that I'm looking forward to having with you. Yeah, it's so great to be here, Arthur. I'm excited for this too. Yes, so we uh, were recording this um, on January 15th and we were both sharing our um, current weather situations where we are located in the United mm-hmm. States and I, uh, you know, uh, started very early to almost complain about the weather that we were having here in New Jersey because it was 29 degrees and almost snowing and uh, you told me that you were in Denver so um, yes I apologize for that. <laughs> Yes. for complaining about what we are going through but uh <laughs> today it's fluctuated between negative four and four but we yeah. are we are all warm and cozy so <laughs> that's great so um can you share can you share with us a little bit about yourself and who you are and um what you do and and share something um share something that you'd like to do for fun there in Denver mm. yeah for sure <laughs> So my name obviously is Daniel. I'm a licensed clinical social worker here in Denver, Colorado. And right now I operate a private practice called Revitalized Mental Health. And then I'm also working full-time in a psychiatric hospital. And one of one of the large pieces that kind of directed me in this into this realm was a traumatic brain injury from an auto accident in July of 2009. And then, so that's, that's my little intro. And then something I like to do um, is just to be outdoors. I know that sounds pretty cliche for being like a mountain area, but I think there's a lot of truth in that. And that's one of the ways that I re-regulate and kind of fill up, fill up that bucket to keep doing what I need to do. So I totally can um, agree with the outdoors part. I enjoy being outdoors where I'm in New Jersey, so we have the beach that is not too far. Um, so I, I love going to the beach in all kinds of weather, surprisingly. Um, even in the wintertime, uh, you know, there's just something about the fresh, uh, you know, the fresh salt air from the ocean that uh, mm-hmm. hits your face and just gets into your lungs. So I'm sure you uh, have similar experiences with the uh, mountain air there and <laughs> just uh, the freshness of uh the air and being outside is uh, definitely uh, revitalizing for sure. <laughs> definitely nice tying the name in there. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, when you were uh, introducing yourself, you mentioned that you experienced a uh, traumatic brain injury. Can you yeah. share a little bit more about that injury and um, how it impacts your daily life? <clears throat> And also how it helped lead you to um, your current profession of being a uh, licensed clinical social worker. For sure. So also, if you have questions that pop up during any of this. Yes. Great. So as mentioned, car accident 2009. So that was going into my senior year of high school. And um, yeah, so the car accident was is one part of it we rolled four times. Right. And then they got me to the hospital and they figured out that I need to have brain surgery to stop the bleeding. So they did what's called a craniotomy, opened up the skull, took care of what they needed to. And then, then, then that recovery portion 
set in, which the doctors don't know a lot about yet. I mean, they know a lot, I should say that. But TBIs are so unique and specific to every individual that it's hard to, for people to predict on what recovery will look like, how long it'll take, or the challenges that may come up, or if even any challenges will show up. So that's the part where it gets kind of gray. So fast forward, 10 days ICU, seven days inpatient rehab. Then I did three months of physical therapy, um, two to three times a week. And then I did 17 months of speech therapy to real, not, not so much for the speech, but more so for the ability to concentrate in it and give attention. And then also switch between tasks without, without having issues. Um, some of the word finding and things like that was also, was also tied into the speech therapy process, but it's kind of in a nutshell, right. From a 30,000 foot perspective of what I went through, but, and then there's a lot of, you know, the, the smaller pieces of how did, how did, how do you get through something like that? And it comes down to obviously the care of the medical staff, but also your support network and in terms of TBIs, sometimes that support network also takes a lot of a lot of beating and verbal beating because of the challenges with around anger, irritability, rage. And that's something that I even went through. And you know, they're the closest people to you, but they're also sometimes the closest targets. And and that could that can create a lot of guilt and shame that then um can just add layers and layers onto stuff. But then the identity losses around the TBI, you know, what you could do beforehand, what you can't do now, or maybe isn't recommended by medical advice to do. I guess you could do a lot of things. Nobody is going to stop you, but there's also balance, right, of risk. So, you know, hanging out with friends late at night or not. And then this fatigue level that associated, that's, the fatigue that's associated with TBIs was fairly significant in my my recovery S sleeping probably 10 to 14 16 hours a day depending the first six to nine months and then having to adjust my senior year schedule my school schedule right and all these different dynamics which make it challenging for me I could say hey I can only do two classes a day but for somebody that still needs to work a full-time job to provide like that's really that's it's a it's a heavy lift and so those are those are some of the more granular kind of pieces that come up with TBIs that are challenging. And then I think the the second part, Arthur, was um, how did it lead me to social work? Yes. Mm -hmm. So being in around all these medical professionals, I knew I was going to land somewhere in there. I just didn't know where. And before the TBI, I didn't know where I was going to go, business or the military, right? Didn't know. And then after I was like, okay, somewhere in the healthcare profession. And it didn't really, didn't really come down to one, a volunteering opportunity that I had. And then two, a conversation with, with my sister, who is also a social worker. Okay. And then kind of, kind of helped me look at the curriculum and say like, look at everywhere you can go. So I have my bachelor's in social work as well as my master's in social work, um, after my bachelor's, I was like, well, I can't really do what I want to do yet um, in terms of like individual work, group work, or, you know, family work. Um, so then I went and got my master's here in Denver. 
And yeah, just been, you know, pushing the limits ever since in terms of how do you also provide services in um, or to a population, especially those who have TBIs and or mental health challenges that cannot always pay a lot of therapists. And mm -hmm. I, even, I even have a lot of private pay in my in my practice but then also like how do you keep a few of those spots open for you know sliding scale or pro bono work um just because that that outreach is so crucial and there not everyone can afford you know just to pay straight every every session so how do you how do you amend that make it accessible for for everyone yeah i um thank you for sharing um you know your story of um how you acquired the uh, TBI and um, your journey through the recovery. And, um, you know, I, I always, um, I've, I've had my disability all my life. It's all that I've known. So I'm, um, you know, I'm happy that you mentioned the, you know, the change in your, you know, identity of, of what you could do before and, and after and how that does impact someone's life and not just your life but the people around you the you know your friends and family that are in your life um it, it all impacts it impacts everybody and um you know for me i shared this um i recorded another episode earlier today and um i shared this with that person as well i majored in psychology in college um because of what i went through living with a disability and how I realized, you know, by the time I got to college, how much um, having some type of therapy and counseling could have helped me and, again, the people around me, my, my family, mm -hmm. my parents, and, you know, being a married couple with, you know, a child that requires a lot of extra care. Um, I had a lot of surgeries uh, growing up as a child, and, you know, again, they had to work full-time jobs and support because I have an you know, older sister, and, you know, they had a home that they had to uh, take care of and everything. So, um, you know, although we never saw the stress, I'm sure it was very stressful, um, you know, adding with, you know, just raising a family in general, but then having the extra layer of you know, having a child with a disability that has some extra uh, things that need to be taken care of and doctor's appointments and things like that. Right. So I, I yeah. All right exactly yeah and having you know a, a boss that was understanding that you had to take off from work or you know oh my son's having another surgery again and you know yeah. we need to be there for the first couple of days so um that's that's was my plan to major in psychology so that i could help um other families uh impacted by disabilities and, and just help them work through uh, some of the challenges and mm -hmm. um, things that would arise uh, because of of the disability diagnosis impacting their family yeah. so um yeah so thank you thank you so much for uh sharing that i know that sometimes it's um you know can be uneasy and, and difficult for people to share their stories so uh, i always appreciate when someone yeah. is I mean, open yeah for sure i think yeah. and i mean it takes i mean it's you know years mm -hmm. obviously i still have a tbi and you know i I don't have, there are challenges that arise when I don't get enough sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Time, I notice some of my cognitive pieces of word finding 
or the fatigue starting to drift in as anyone would be tired if they're not sleeping appropriately at night. (laughs) But um, I think, I think talking about like those identity shifts, right. And the grief and loss that can be associated with that is, is something that doesn't always get a lot of attention. Right. So for me going from, you know, summer, we were, that's the accident actually happened on like a day, like we like went to, went to a friend's house. We were at a pool, like just eating cherries off the tree, hanging out. And then we were driving home. Like it was like a chill summer day. Right. Mm -hmm. And then your world is flipped upside down. And and it's so strange because then like the doctors are like, you're probably not going to graduate high school with your, your cohort that you started with. Mm. Right. And then, and then it's like, am I going to lose part of me from that? Right. Right. Just that level of shit or the shifts in independence from obviously. So before the accident, I could shower, I could bathe, right. All mm-hmm. those things independently. And then also being like a 17 year old. And I think I, I turned 18, right. When I got home from the hospital. So I was still 17, but then being a 17 year old that needed a nurse to like hold them when they took a shower or like mm-hmm. help them stand with like a gate belt. Right. right. Like that is, you know, two different ends of the spectrum of independence and it happens rapidly. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens in many, many, you know, it could be other TBIs, but it can also be other illnesses, right. Like MS or Alzheimer's or whatever else it might, that might show up. So, right. um, but that's a lot to process through mm-hmm. and we can really internally just kind of self-implode if we don't if we don't find avenues to get some of these things out right yeah that's so true and you know like you said that it's it's the immediate change that that took place as you know where the one day you could do things and then you know the next day and the weeks to come you realize that you you know you couldn't do certain Mm -hmm. things but it i i can appreciate um you know, what you said, like through your journey of recovery and all of the challenges that, you know, that came up and the, you know, even the, uh, I forget how you described it, but you know, the, the lashing out at the people that, mm-hmm. you know, were, yeah. were closest to you. And it's like, yeah, they're your support system, but they're also the ones that are, you know, that can take the, uh, yeah, the, the brunt targets, right? Yeah. Yeah. The closest targets. Yeah. Taking the brunt of your frustrations, um, you know, and, and mm-hmm. using all of that, though, to, um, you know, to to want to be a social worker. And, you know, mm-hmm. after you said talking to your sister and, you know, just realizing, um, you know, that that is what you wanted to do. And um, as a licensed uh, social worker, you currently um, support and empower others who have TBIs. Can you talk a bit um, about that? Because I think that's really, uh, I think that's really empowering. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. for, uh, for you to, to go into that field of work. Mm-hmm. So that is, yeah. I mean, I work with folks that have TBIs. I also, sometimes TBIs will create just from the injury itself or, and, or mental health challenges will fall out from that. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I'm also treating that mental health portion, but a lot of what we look at in terms of social work are like using systems perspectives on, you know, I was able to earn, you know, 100K and support my family the previous year. 
and now I'm part-time and I'm not carrying any benefits and now I'm down to 40, right? And then what pieces come with that, right? Like whatever, whatever that is. So we look at just in terms of how we how I look at a person who comes to therapy is like, what, what areas, what domains of somebody's life are they really struggling with? And how do we kind of create maybe, maybe some just awareness, acceptance, also challenge, right? As, as a therapist, I'm here to support, but I'm also here to challenge you. Mm -hmm. Let's see, like, how far can you grow here? Right? <laughs> like, like, where, where, where is this growth? And sometimes that growth is, maybe reprocessing trauma around the TBI, how the TBI was acquired um, and or just other dysfunctional dysfunctional thoughts or memories or sensations that show up around that experience. And then some of it is also just being a witness and holding hope to say like, I'm right here. This mm -hmm. happened six, six weeks ago, 12 weeks ago. And I'm still working through recovery, right? And then it's like, okay, like, what are you noticing are those shifts, right? Well, I'm able to like talk for 10 minutes instead of four minutes now, right? Because my, my, I could, there's, there's, they're very minuscule changes on some level, but they're huge for people who yes. once had that ability and lost it. Now they're working to get it back, right? So right. for me, it was really hard for me to talk because the, the breathing tubes that they had to put down my throat. Mm -hmm. Right. So then like, I could, I could only like whisper and then it was like short sentences. Right. And then it's longer and longer and longer. So like, and everyone's different. Some people will have a TBI and not even need breathing tubes. Right. Right. Well, some, some people will need more. Right. Mm -hmm. But so just noticing those incremental changes can also keep that hope, keep that internal flame alive to keep pushing recovery forward. Right. Cause recovery is not going to just happen in a passive a passive, you know, osmosis, like there's that old kind of thing of like, oh, just sleep underneath your textbook at night before the exam, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't work, obviously, but recovery will not work like that either. Right. You have to be very intentional. You have to be aware. And, it, and there's a lot of, a lot of sacrifice that comes through in terms of recovery, right? Like, mm -hmm. what can you do? What can't you do? What, do, what are you choosing not to do to support recovery, right? And this isn't just TBI. This is also, you know, thinking thinking if somebody is trying to maintain maintain sobriety, right? Or right. whatever it is, right? Or even, even staying out late and going to a party in terms of like depression symptoms or anxiety, right? Or trauma. So all these pieces have a lot of overlap. Yeah, and I, I think it's... You know, it's it's important to mention as well that, you know, that the recovery looks different for every individual. Mm -hmm. You know, and and like you said, with, um, you know, where you needed the breathing tube, someone else may not. Um, right. You know, so it's it's important. Um, you know, and and whatever the journey it is that that people are on to, um, you know, focus on their on their journey, mm -hmm. and um, like you said, celebrating and and being excited about those uh, new things that you're able to achieve. And, and uh, you know, for you, like you said, you started at, at a whisper. Mm -hmm. It was like, that's an achievement that, you know, something that you couldn't do probably, you know, weeks before yeah. that. So, right. um, you know, that, that that's really, um, really important to mention to stay, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to stay focused on, on your one specific journey and, uh, you know, and your recovery. And, and it's really, I just think it's really great that you have, um, 
used an experience that happened uh, to you to, um, you know, to turn that around and to reach out and to uh, be helping other people through the work that you do as a social worker. That's really, uh, really cool. <laughs> you, it sounds like you're doing the same too. Yes. You know, it, it's really, um, it's very uh, life-giving. Like it, it really does give me, um, it encourages and empowers me. Mm -hmm. uh, with the work going. that I, yeah, the work that I do, because I, I know that, um, I know that I'm making a difference in yeah. my own little space in, in the world. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I know that I am uh, reaching people and, um, you know, making a difference and, and helping to, uh, you know, just change the way that people with disabilities are viewed and, um, and thought about and treated in the mm -hmm. world. So I, I think, uh, you know, I think you're, definitely uh there and doing the same thing so uh thank you uh for the work that you do and uh and for sharing um this uh conversation with me and before i wrap up i would like to um just ask one other random question that i found somewhere and um <laughs> thought i would ask and um so it is besides the occupation that you currently have okay. what is another occupation that you would like to try or would do if uh you know if you ever leave the social work field <laughs> this is a good question um i think i think it would be somewhere in the realm of personal trainer i oh, really great. value it in therapy like whole bot holistic right we got to look at all the domains of a person's life but <laughs> i really enjoy that kind of environment where you can chan channel challenge someone mm -hmm and support them yes. right in, in this growth process but yeah i would probably be probably be a personal trainer that's cool that is really um really great i i when you said that i immediately thought of someone who um i went to a gym one time just to check it out that was my plan to just go and look a few friends had joined and they said oh they have an indoor pool you would really like it and you know go check it out. So I went and I was doing a tour. I don't know where he came from, but this personal trainer who works there, he came over and he said, hi, he told me his name. Nice to meet you. Can't work. Can't wait to work with you. <laughs> I said, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to work with you now. And I was in my wheelchair at the time. So yeah. for me, for somebody to approach me and say that, I was like, just take all my money. Where do I sign up? <laughs> because I'm so, I've been so used to signing up for gym memberships and a personal trainer saying, oh, we'll have to meet next week. I have to think of something that I can have you do. Right. You know, or, oh, I'm not sure what to do. So, you know, we mm -hmm. have to talk first and then we'll have another session where I can actually give you some things to do. So yeah. for this guy who never saw me a day in his life, he just mm -hmm. walked up to me and said, oh, I can't wait to work with you. I, yeah, I can't wait to work with you either. And I was like, wait, what did I just commit to? <laughs> right. <laughs> what just Who is happened? this person? Right. What just happened? <laughs> and it, it was, but it was so important for me, mm -hmm. um, for him to say that, because as a person with a, dis with a disability, with limited mobility, I don't move as much as I should or as much as, you know, other people do. And I know I can't compare myself to other people. Um, but it's difficult to try to find activities for me to stay active. 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, again, with a disability, it's, you know, it's difficult to eat properly sometimes. And, mm -hmm. you know, because my digestive system is all out of whack. So I can't drink as much water as is recommended because that messes up my digestive system a little bit. Right. So it's, you know, so again, to, so to have someone say out of nowhere, doesn't know my condition, doesn't know what disability I have, but I can't mm -hmm. wait to work with you. I was like, okay, yeah, me too. Great. <laughs> sure. So it's it's really um it, it's cool that you said that. And even though, you know, I'm sure your physical therapy, I remember being in physical therapy myself, it can, oh gosh, it could be, you know, the worst days. And you see the therapist walk in and you're like, oh gosh, they're here yeah. again. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> right. Right. Do you take a day off? Uh, yes, you know. know, so it's really um you know, so, so that's really cool that you said that you would do that. And um, I thought about that question for myself um, mm -hmm. also, and completely opposite of what I do, I always wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So I, I, I would like to try it for, you know, a day or so. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if I would stick with it. Probably not, but um you know, and I know a real life veterinarian, one of my best friends is a veterinarian and, uh, you know, the things that she does are, are really, uh, you know, impressive. And I, I could not, uh, you know, do that full time or anything, but that would be what I would, what I would choose for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and before we do close out the conversation, can you just share, um, with us, if there are any websites that you have or any social media sites that people can follow you on. Yeah, so the business name again is Revitalized Mental Health for the Private Practice. And then, um, you know, revitalizedmentalhealth.com is the website. So mm -hmm. pretty similar. And then there's, we do have a Facebook page as well as an Instagram that's revitalize underscore uh, mental health or at revitalize underscore mental health. And then it's the same one of her TikTok as well. Great. So Daniel, thank you so much for this conversation. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to share your story and uh, about the work that you do as a social worker and, and how you are helping uh, others and on their journey to, um, to recovering and, and just the work that you do in general uh, as a social worker is really important. Uh, so I appreciate uh, this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Arthur. It was good to meet you. Yes, make, great to meet you as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to let us know what you thought of the episode. Follow us on all social media platforms at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are back with new episodes on the 15th and 30th of every month. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest for an upcoming episode, you can email us at ourviewforlife at gmail.com.